0: Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office, from school board to Senate and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Lindsey Brown, who is running for Congress in New Jersey. Let's talk about thinking outside the box. Let's talk about seeing a problem, seeing that the regular solutions aren't working, and trying something that may seem a little weird. Let's talk about asking questions that start with why and what about I'm so tired of this is the way it's always been done. Okay, how's that working for you? Because it doesn't seem to be working for a lot of us. Do you see the people in the streets with their signs and their chants? It's certainly not working for them. There's a reason that the well-worn path is called a rut. A friend once said to me, you know, even Blockbuster had a good run and it was like a switch flipped in my brain. I think about that a lot, a lot, a lot. It's applicable in just so many situations, like politics, for example. And if you're thinking, this sounds like a subtweet in podcast form, you would be right. I have to confess that I... So identified with your bio on your website, like right <laughs> down to the section where you said you are an avid DIYer, <laughs> building a, currently building a pair of nightstands. Yes. I, as we speak, have one and a half side tables built in my garage. And oh my god! <laughs> the way things are going, that's that's going to be how this project ends. Just one and a half.
1: Yeah, I still haven't <laughs> finished the first one, which I started last spring because. Mm-hmm. I was working on it outside on my back patio and it got too hot last summer to keep working on it. And then I brought it inside all like, I'll do it this winter. It'll be great. And then life just got crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Well, I have a ton of questions for you. So let's get you introduced here. Who are you and for what are you running?
1: My name is Lindsay Brown. I am running for the U.S. House of Representatives, which is otherwise known as Congress, in New Jersey's 7th District in the Republican primary.
0: And where in the state is the 7th District?
1: It's sort of in central North Jersey. The district itself is sort of like an ugly, jagged diamond shape, and it spans um, east to west from Clark, where I live, all the way out to the Pennsylvania border at Lambertville. It travels up the Pennsylvania border all the way up to, like, the Netcong area. It swings up to hit as far north as Mount Olive and uh, comes back down again to form a really interestingly gerrymandered shape.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So why did you decide to run?
1: Oh, my God, where do I begin? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the first real thing that happened was that trump won which is Mm -hmm. i'm sure what most people you talk to say Um, and i marched in the women's march and in the coverage leading up to the march and on the bus there and the bus home and all the coverage surrounding the women's march i kept hearing the statistic from she should run which says that women need to be asked an average of five times before they'll consider a run Whereas men just wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and they're like, yeah, I could be governor. Like, Mm -hmm. let's do this. Like women, they're not even raising their own hands. They need to be asked and convinced. And even when they're asked the first few times, they're like, no, I'm me. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know that I'm qualified. And that's a really that's a huge problem. And that statistic really angered me. And as politics progressed over the next few weeks, I was ultimately convinced of what I needed to do when Elizabeth Warren was kicked out of the Senate by Mitch McConnell, and he Mm -hmm. said, nevertheless, she persisted. I was writing her a thank you note for persisting, because that moment really resonated with me just as a woman, let alone any political leanings, because So much of what we do just to get by day by day is just being persistent and just continually showing up and waiting for our voices to be heard. And so I was thanking her for her persistence when I went down the rabbit hole train of thought of, well, how did she get to be such a big public figure? You know, how did she get to where she is now? Oh, she ran for Senate. Oh, well, what did she do before that? No, oh, she was a Harvard law professor, so like what qualified her to run for Senate? And so I, this is the most like millennial thing ever, I Googled, <laughs> what do you need to do to run for office? And of course, the first result is like, you need a lot of money. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have that, so what's next? <laughs> and it turns out that legally you only need to be 25 and a US citizen for seven years in order to run for the US House of Representatives. And I was like, hey. I fit those requirements <laughs> so I sent a text to my lifelong best friend uh, she moved into the house across the street when we were four the weekend I had chicken pox uh, that's how long <laughs> we've been besties <laughs> and I was like hey did you know you only need to be 25 and a U.S. citizen to run for the house and she was like I did but are you thinking about it oh my god you totally should that would be so badass like you absolutely have to oh my god oh my god and we started talking about like, okay, well, if I did do this absolutely crazy thing, what could the opposition pull up on me in terms of dirt? And Mm -hmm. we realized that I'm young enough that there's really not much that they could pull up and anything that they did pull up, it's not really dirt. Like it's all part of my lived experience that I'm happy to include in my platform and to own. And that really sealed the deal for me. And um, so that night as we were getting ready for bed, my husband and I were like, laying in bed, reading the news on our phones, you know, very millennial. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds familiar. (laughs) Yeah. And I just looked over and I was like, hey, so I think I want to run for Congress. And he just goes, "Okay," And that was it.
0: That's such an amazing story in that it is so normative. Like, that's just kind of how I think a lot of people feel, especially after the election. They were just like, I need to do something. Let me Google this and figure out what to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because I was like, calling my representatives constantly. And I, you know, marched to any protest that I could find. And I'm like, this doesn't feel like it's really getting much done. Because ultimately, these people still keep getting elected. There are still Mm -hmm. people putting these, you know, do nothing politicians in power. And the only way to really change that narrative is to get them out of office. And there wasn't another election for a little while. So I'm like, all right, what can I do? Oh, okay, yeah. hey, I could be that person that they're putting in office. Yeah. I appreciate
0: what you said about like you you were inspired by the loss of Hillary Clinton because I was listening to a podcast. Um, it was kind of an old one earlier this week. And they said that they were talking about how regardless of your political leanings, like women could really identify with her loss because she was – absolutely the most qualified person for this job but she still got beat out by just like a regular white dude with yes. fewer qualifications and, yes. and every woman at some point in her life has had that experience like it's oh. not on the national level like absolutely. she did but just like normal everyday
1: experience completely yes oh man like <laughs> it's called waking up on a tuesday <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. So um, what's your day job? Like, what's your background? Um, uh,
1: So my career to date has mostly been, um, well, so I guess the, the whole backstory is I graduated in 2010 in the heart of the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. So finding a big girl job was not super easy. And I wound up taking a few, like, administrative assistant and receptionist roles, answering phones, you know scheduling people's calendars, booking travel, all that good stuff. But those administrative skills kind of teed me up to become a project manager. And I was up until this past November, I was working at the New York post as a digital product project manager. So I was overseeing the development team who works on the website and the apps and all that good stuff. And I realized I wasn't really super happy in the job for a number of reasons, but ultimately it was because I was pretty much puppet mastering other people to do things and build things and I wasn't the one doing the doing. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to my husband about it and we kind of mulled over like, what are my options? And I realized that there was no way I was going to be able to transition into a development role at my current job, um, even with self-teaching. And at that point I was already running for office too, so I'm like, okay, I have the job in the city that I'm commuting crazy hours to and I'm running for office, I don't think self-study is going to work. So I left the job in November and went to a coding boot camp for three months. And hmm. I just graduated in February and now I'm TAing the next cohort of boot camp. So I'm doing that. Cool. I'm doing some, yeah, I'm doing some freelancing, working on some of my own personal web development projects. Uh, it is still effectively full-time work, and then on top of that, running for office, mm-hmm. which I don't get paid to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what has the process of running been like for you so far?
1: It has been really interesting. I announced a little over a year ago now, I announced on March 1st, 2017, and it, it's been really uh, when it rains, it pours and stop and go, where I'll get I'll have a lot of activities and events and stuff that I need to go to and I'll be Mm -hmm. getting all kinds of press coverage and then it'll be quiet for like a month or two and then it'll get crazy again. And then when the new year rolled around, it's just been wall to wall crazy nonstop. Um, For the last couple of months, I've been canvassing nonstop also because I need to collect signatures uh, in a petition in order to get on the ballot. So I've been doing that constantly and I'm finally filing this week and I have more than the minimum required signatures so I'm going to be able to breathe for a little bit but then I pretty much I'm just going to switch gears and go right into canvassing to meet voters and get out the vote so it's there's no rest for the weary in this (laughs) (laughs) and when is your primary June 5th okay
0: how many people are you running against
1: Right now, there are two other people in the primary. There is the incumbent, uh, Leonard Lance, and there is a, a, an emergency room doctor who's also an Egyptian immigrant who came to the country 20 years ago fleeing persecution as a Christian from mm-hmm. the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, so his story is Really interesting and compelling, but he's only just jumped in the race a couple of weeks ago.
0: So let's talk about how you're a Republican. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I always get this question. I know. Well,
0: it's so interesting to me from uh, several different aspects because, you know, I want more women in office, period. Right. Doesn't matter you know, political leanings, whatever, because I keep hearing over and over for women who are in office that it is easier to reach across the aisle and work with other women from the opposite party.
1: Yes, because we are socialized to work together and be cooperative and work towards greater social good. Yeah, exactly.
0: So we've seen this huge surge of women running but they tend Mm -hmm. to all be democratic or independent and not identifying with with the republican party is there anything that you're seeing from within like running as a republican that you're like oh this is why we're not seeing the same thing over on this side
1: oh that's a really interesting spin on it so what i've seen is generally they're I mean, there just aren't a lot of women raising their hands in the first place, Mm -hmm. which is the same issue that Democrats used to have. But now Democrats have a bunch of organizations and systems in place that are intentionally lifting up women and convincing them to run. And Republicans haven't put all of those same systems in place. You know, we don't have Emily's List. We don't have Emerge. We have a bunch of nonpartisan organizations like vote run lead and she should run mm-hmm. but there's not too much that's dedicated specifically to republican women and the few that are have a litmus test attached to them so the thing with the republican party is ideologically it's a very big tent there are multiple different groups within the republican party that have wildly varying viewpoints on pretty much any issue you can think of. And a lot of the organizations, you know, all two or three of them that are specifically for Republican women running are based on either pro-life values or a specific brand of conservatism. Mm -hmm. And as a Republican, I don't necessarily subscribe to any of that, but I'm still a Republican. Like, I'm no less Republican than those women. Um, and I think a lot of especially moderate Republican women don't feel like there are organizations where their voices can be heard. And the examples that we see of Republican women who run for office are, you know, th- at least that the media portrays are women like Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman, who mm-hmm. are kind of lampooned. And so it 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 turns us off to the idea of well, what if I go out there and do it? Um, Just because you don't want to be Caribou Barbie. (laughs) 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 Like, you don't want to be made a mockery of because of the party that you belong to. Mm -hmm. So I think those are structures that are lacking. But ultimately, there's also just a dearth in the pipeline where, for the most part... So I'm really close friends with a another Republican woman who's running in New Jersey this year. Her name is Dana Weaver, and she's running for U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. And she and I have shared our experiences where we're both kind of getting a lackluster reception from the Republican apparatus in the state. And we've both said, like, look, if we were men, we would be hailed as the second coming of Reagan because, you know, we're young and we're ambitious and we have these platforms that can bring a lot of new people into the Republican party. But because we're women, they're like, Oh, why don't you run for city council instead? Mm -hmm. So that's part of it too, is there is still some sexism under the hood that whether they're ready to publicly admit it or not, they tend to see women as like, maybe you should be, you know, starting some organizations in the background that help men run for office.
0: That sounds so tough, like, because you not only have the issues that come with running as a woman, like in general, but to have these perceptions from people who are on the other side, you know, as Democrats, and also from your own party.
1: Right, that's exactly. A,
0: that's a really hard. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's It's definitely challenging. But at the same time, you know, what's nice about running a grassroots campaign is that I'm the one knocking most of the doors. Mm-hmm. So I'm the one meeting voters face to face, and they have to confront their own biases when they see me in person, and they see that I'm a real life human being and that I'm doing this, I'm not, you know, independently wealthy and paying a herd of people to go out and canvas for for me, I'm the one actually going and saying, hey, I'm running would you consider voting for me? Mm -hmm. And that humanizing aspect of it seems to really strike a chord with people.
0: I mean, you've just started your your campaigning really like door knocking and things like that. Mm -hmm. But have you gotten any pushback from your platform? Because your platform sounds like left leaning Democrat, (laughs) single payer healthcare, criminal justice reform, women's equality, that's all stuff that, you know, that I hear from women who are running as a progressive Democrat.
1: Sure. And, you know, I have two answers to that. First is <laughs> first is that there are more Republicans than you'd think who are in favor of at least some of it. They may not agree with me on all of it, but they'll cherry pick things and say, yeah, these are things that I'm really passionate about. So I'm really glad that you're championing that. And, you know, yeah, there might be other things where they're like, yeah, I don't know what you're doing there. And <laughs> I'm a little suspicious. But ultimately, like, you seem like a better bet than the other guy who's been in office forever, who we don't really feel like he's been doing enough. And then my second answer there is, yeah, there are a lot of progressive Democrats who are running on this, but progressive, especially left-leaning Democrats, are getting run out of their races by the party backing, you know, typical establishment candidates. Mm -hmm. There have been multiple accounts of once a progressive candidate starts gaining steam, the DNC or the DCCC will actually come in, find their really well-heeled corporatist establishment candidate, and basically just steamroll over the progressive. And in the Republican Party, they're not doing that. They're happy to have more people in the primary because they know that it's better for the party itself to have disparate voices.
0: That exact scenario literally just happened here in Texas, in Houston, with a woman running where uh, she got opposition research dumped on her from within the Democratic Party.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's actually happening in my district in the Democratic primary.
0: So how can people get involved with your campaign?
1: There is a contact form on my website. It goes right to my inbox, so it bypasses any uh, bureaucratic campaign staff craziness and goes right to me. And I will tell you how to help, which is typically if you live in or near the district, I'm always looking for more canvassers who want to go out with a list and some literature and go basically evangelize and spread the word about the campaign.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so my last question here. What is one piece of advice that you have for a woman who is thinking about running for office?
1: Run. Do it. <laughs> like, don't think too hard on it because you'll try to convince yourself out of it. And that's absolutely not what you should do. You should just run and figure out the details later. Because as women, we tend to want to do all of this prep work and like be read up on every policy in the book and have everything polished and perfect before we decide to run. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You are a good candidate just by being yourself. So run and find yourself some good people to help you figure out the rest because you absolutely can.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me. Thanks for having me. And that's it for today. Thanks to Lindsay Brown for chatting with me. We had a great conversation and I hope you enjoyed it. You can find out more about her and her campaign at lindsaybrownforcongress.com. That is L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-B-R-O-W-N-F-O-R-C-O-N-G-R-E-S-S. On Facebook, you can find her at Lindsay Brown for Congress and on Twitter, she is at Brown nj 7 And while you're already over there on Twitter, you should find and follow this podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at @she'srunningpod, She's Running Pod. And you can help other people find the show by going to iTunes and giving us an awesome review. Really, I say it all the time, but it actually does help people find the show. That is it for today. Thanks. Talk to you soon.